0: Shame, shame, shame. We know your name, as my third-grade gym teacher used to say. Kind of weird that he used to—that—that's that, the things that he would say to children. But that's what he used to say, and that's what I'm saying to myself because past two weeks, missed a show. I missed a show. The week before that, there's a little bit of an excuse, out of town. I was—I was traveling, so that one I understand. Last week, not—not—not not, not a super good excuse, other than the fact that there's like nothing going on in the NBA universe right now. So you know, we we took a little bit of break. I decided I don't want to just force something out there if it's not super interesting. We can come back strong next week, wait for things to accumulate, and they did. I think this will be an interesting show. We have some things to talk about, which is good. Uh, I bring on a friend and co-worker of mine at Bleacher Nation, Luis Medina. We're going to talk about uh, team building, the difference between... Uh, the Bears and the Bulls right now specifically, but attach that to more of a broader discussion on how are you supposed to team build? And uh, before that, some NBA quick hitters. So with that said, I would like to introduce a co-worker of mine. I would like to get this thing rolling. So let's get going. So joining me now, my friend and co-worker from Bleacher Nation covers primarily the Chicago uh, Chicago Bears, but great thoughts on all things sports. And that's why he's here today. Luis Medina, Luis, thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Eli. I'm looking forward to this. This is about to be some good conversation about some
0: sports things. I agree. It's o- I think it's always good when we talk. Maybe I'm a little biased, but you know, I think it's. I think we always have some good conversations, so I'm excited.
1: You know, we we all have our biases, but when we get together, it's always it's always a good throwdown.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I want to, uh, the, I will say initially the main reason that you're here, and I, I think I touched on this um, a little bit before you joined us, is the fact that I want to talk about team building. You know, we're in a very quiet um, time of the year right now for the NBA. We can kind of have some fun discussions, some philosophical discussions, and I think that's the perfect thing to do right now. So first, we're going to start with some NBA quick hitters, but... Afterwards, the kind of chunk of this conversation, I feel like, will be more about like what's the right way to build a team. The, the Chicago Bears right now, which you cover very closely, it, they're building in a very different way with their new regime than the uh, Bulls started when they uh, had their new front office takeover. So I just think it will be interesting to talk about some parallels. Uh, maybe talk about which you know path moving forward will be more successful for that Chicago team. So we're going to get into all of that very shortly. But first, I want to start w- with some NBA quick hitters because the NBA, just like the NFL. It is a year-round sport now. We have plenty of interesting news always going on. So I want to start by, and we have to start here, I think, talking about Kevin Durant. I just want to get some of your thoughts on what's going on with the Kevin Durant situation. Uh, Most recently, of course, the Boston Celtics did emerge uh, as a team that was closely monitoring his situation, and they obviously have a peak asset in Jalen Brown, somebody who when we're looking at trading for a player of uh, Kevin Durant's caliber, you know, Jalen Brown is the type of player you need to give in exchange to get a player uh, like him in return. As a as somebody who follows the Bulls, I'm sure you feel the same. I don't like the idea at all of the Celtics getting <laughs> Kevin Durant. Uh, I hate the idea of it. But from your perspective, uh, and I understand if you hate it too, what is the... Chances of you seeing this happening? Do you think it's worth it for Boston to give up the amount of assets that it would take, looking at it from a little bit of an unbiased perspective? What are your just initial thoughts with what's going on uh, in Boston?
1: Well, my initial thought is, why isn't Kevin Durant a bull yet? I mean, he's got the, Love it. the shorts. He's got the Tony Kukos jersey. He said so many nice things about the Bulls in recent years, about how they've built and and playing at the United Center. and and playing. They pulled out a pretty big... Uh, important win against the Bulls last year and Durant was hey you know to do that in this building as this upstart team meant something um
0: well no for sure and just to just to briefly add on to that I mean he's been one of he's been one of Zach Levine's biggest fans really since since before I mean I remember if you go back in the BN archives there's posts I've written from three years ago when I first initially started of Durant like gushing on random podcasts about Zach Levine they would ask him you know who do you think is the next uh, all-star caliber player to rise up and he would talk about Levine and then remember they were in the Olympics together and they were they were posting on social media together. So there's no doubt that he loves Levine. And I'm sure you know DeRozan has an awesome relationship with everybody. So I actually have been and we can go on a brief tangent here, I have been semi surprised that the the Bulls, a big market team, haven't been as mentioned as much as you know I, I understand the assets aren't there so that it kind of immediately makes it questionable but just from the idea of like well teams he could go to what about the bulls they just don't come up as much which i find kind of surprising
1: yeah it, it, it is surprising because of the aforementioned aforementioned connections but also because usually like they just throw around chicago as a destination for everyone usually like and we see it across sports like when or last offseason in, in hockey when there were a bunch of rumors of star players. She's like, hey, are the Blackhawks going to get none on this? Every offseason, we hear the the Cubs and the White Sox as being, you know, in the mix for certain guys. In football season, remember when when the Bears were were searching for a quarterback to compete with Mitchell? And it was just like we had at some point like 18 different quarterbacks who were (laughs) rumored. And like and like from like Schefter and Rappaport and Pelissero and like there was, there was like eighteen quarter different quarterbacks. It, it got to a point where like if you were can if you were out there on the market, the you know Chicago's team is interested. Now as for Boston and Durant, I think that's a weird fit. Um I feel like it's a forced fit. Like it felt like when I first saw it at some ungodly hour from Woj, I was like man, this seems like a mistake. Like, this feels like something someone's putting out there to light a fire under Marcus Smart. Is is that the ending <laughs> or, to push Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? Because the Celtics have a really good team, and their strength is balance and depth. And Kevin Durant is great, don't get me wrong. And I would, I would move mountains to get him on the Bulls. But I, I don't think that's how the Celtics are run. They're not the kind of team that moves mountains to make players you know to acquire players they don't they don't make they don't make holes just to get a new guy in so that's why i thought the fit was weird but like man when you lose the finals the way that that you did i can see where it's just like screw it we got to do something rash because you know that's a a tough you lose the finals you lose it at home um so i can I think we'll probably get another round of talks and rumors probably a month from now when, when, when kind of that dust settles, but like, Definitely. part of me thinks he's going back to Brooklyn, We're right? Just, I think yeah.
0: he has no leverage. No, for sure. Well, yeah, you said, you said like a, a lot of good stuff there. And I think the, the fit is an interesting question with Boston just because, you know, I'm sure the hope is you can figure it out. Him with Tatum would be would be an interesting you know situation to see how the two of them would mesh. Um, and I think there are questions about Tatum a little bit after that playoff run where he looked great at times, then other times disappeared. It's like is he more of a number two anyway? Would being ne- next to Durant you know suit him? But he's still so young; he could easily become a number one. I, my thing when when we're talking about fit and whether or not it's a good idea for Boston is like. You just did get to the finals, right? You bring up even though maybe they lost it in the way they did, it was heartbreaking, whatever, they still got to the finals. So it's like you have two extremely young players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, you're are you really gonna give up one of them to get Kevin Durant, then your windows maybe what, the next couple of years, next two years, realistically with Durant? I mean, his you know, we don't know how good he's gonna be for how much longer. Whereas if you keep Jalen Brown and keep building around what you have is your window. Five, years, You know what I'm saying? Like right. your window could be longer, theoretically, if you don't get Durant. So I understand there's that kind of sense of urgency, like, okay, we just got to the finals. Let's do that move that next year has us win the finals. But in some ways, it's like, can you already win the finals next year? It's like, how much does Durant actually raise your ceiling? So I do have questions about whether or not the Celtics overachieve this year. I do think the defense that we saw in the second half of the season, you know, historically amazing it's kind of hard to imagine that they're able to repeat that doing success. that again is going to be hard, right? And so it's hard to imagine they repeat that success. The East hundred percent has so many formidable opponents. You're not going to get past Giannis, you know, more than once. They barely did. They, if they had Chris Middleton, you know, the bucks, I think, I think the bucks could be champions right now. You know, you never know. And then with uh, the 76ers, if Harden is, you know, doing what they're saying he's doing this off season and kind of coming back into his own a little bit and, readjust- and adjusting his game to fit with him uh, with and beat who they've already looked like a lethal pick and roll duo. I understand there's probably a sense of urgency to just be like, well, Durant is Durant. And I get it. Durant is Durant. Like you, you, if you can, you kind of have to just go and do it. But at the same time, it's like, are you already a longer term uh, championship level team? If you just keep Jalen Brown and keep doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And, and I always uh, try to think of it this way. Like, are you a Kevin Durant from making the next step from a bulls perspective? If you think about what that series was, and I try not to because it's just nightmares. Right. Grayson Allen just draining threes in my sleep. But like if the Bulls had a Kevin Durant, that's a much more competitive I don't know if they they'd beat the Bucks, but that's a more competitive series because not having like not having that option really held the Bulls back, especially when pairing it with the second unit. Um having that extra star makes a difference.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think uh, too, something that you mentioned was like next month, you think there's going to be a new batch of rumors. Right. And I agree. And I think if we were going to talk about what other teams do you think can perk up the next one that makes the most sense to me that I think we're, we're going to get one of those like sham stories from, or, you know, we're going to get a Woj bomb from is the Pelicans. It makes the most sense. If we're talking about players, like which teams have players like Jalen Brown, that, you can give back in return. Brandon Ingram is one of those guys. You know, if they, they I'm assuming the team would be willing uh, to have conversations around him going to the Nets and you know Durant teaming up with Zion. Do I think Durant would want to go to the Pelicans? Not necessarily, but you know, there's the leverage play here is like there's there's, I think it's kind of a little silly when people sit there and say, oh well you know, the Nets have a ton of leverage because he's under contract and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, in today's league, the players really have all the power. If he wants to go, he's going to go. You know, like if he wants out, right. he will get out. It's And this is not a Ben Simmons situation where Ben Simmons is like still not, like this is Kevin Durant we're talking about. Like he will get, he will leave to go somewhere if he wants to leave and go somewhere. So I think the Pelicans are a team to watch in terms of just rumors. I don't know if he actually ends up there, but because he will have some say in where he goes. I still think the Warriors, like you can't rule it out just because they have the assets. They, so have the asset,
1: I, they have they have assets, the means, and the petty to be like, all right, dude, you can come back.
0: Yeah, and, and I think I understand that, that there's been stuff lately. I think it was Joe Lacob that was like, we're done. This is the team we're going to the next year with. But things change all the time. Like if Durant finally comes around, sits down for one glass of wine with Steph Curry, and they're like, let's go back at it. You know, like it, it yeah. can happen. And then kind of a sneaky team I, I think uh, should be talked about, at least makes sense to be talked about would be like the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets would make some sense just because what if you were willing to trade? Uh, you have two really damaged assets, but two good assets in Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. And if you team up uh, Durant with Jokic, that's just like terrifying. I just I just like the idea of it in my head. I doubt that it, you know, I don't think they actually get fun. that rumor, but it's one of the more fun ideas in my brain where I'm like, okay, that team immediately becomes a, they're already when fully healthy a contender, but that team already be, immediately becomes like a finals you know, favorite.
1: Yeah, That's the final favorite. The team that I, had they not made the Gobert trade, the, the Timberwolves with Kevin Durant would have been fun. Right. I just don't think that they, I don't think there's the assets and I don't think there's the cap space, but like that could have been like Anthony Edwards is a dog, man. Like that guy, I was wrong about him. I
0: just didn't see it in college. I was wrong too. I was hundred percent wrong about him. But man, but like, and that's the
1: thing that, you know, always bringing me back to college basketball that it's hard to, uh, it's hard to analyze and it's hard to figure out who's going to translate to the next level because their assignment in college is so different than what it can be in the pros. And like a great example of that from when I was younger was Dwayne Wade. And that was a guy that I was really high on. And I was just like, I wonder if I would have thought differently, if I had had the, the same mindset that I had when I was younger, would I look at Anthony Edwards differently? Has, has my age, and watching how basketball has, basketball players have developed, has that changed how I saw a similar? Well, should have been a similar situation.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good question, and and uh, yeah, I was one hundred percent wrong on Edwards, and, and it would be interesting. I it's just so hard to imagine them being able to get him with keep well, while keeping Edwards. I guess if you trade Towns, I don't know. But again, it goes back to that that situation with Durant, where it's like. Is he going to want to go to Minnesota? Is he going to want to go to the Pelicans? You know, is he going right. So that's why, that's why the I think the conversation around him becomes even more difficult, at least uh, internally for teams and behind the scenes, because it's like, yeah, everyone wants Kevin Durant, but also you want He's a happy... want you. Yeah, well, one, does Kevin Durant want you? And two, or do, you, do you want to, you know, do convincing for Kevin Durant? Like, do you want... You want to get a happy Kevin Durant, you know? So it's like if a team is... If it's like the Pelicans and you're young and you had a big step forward last year and you have Pelicans and you're fun and you just got McCollum, you know that's the veteran asset you got, and maybe they're just like we don't want the you know the headache. I'm sure they would do everything they they could. They would love to welcome him, but it's like if he doesn't want to be here, like do we really want to do what it takes to get him? And then maybe a year or two from now he's asking out again. So right, yeah.
1: and you also want to be the team that if you're gonna if you're gonna make that push, you have to close because. You can't make that push. And then Durant's like, oh, you know what? I don't want to go. Because then you have to go back into your locker room like, hey, we love this team. But like, wait, weren't you just trying to trade like half of us for Kevin Durant a minute ago? Like, yeah, were, but that didn't happen. So <laughs> it's all love, right, guys? Like, no. Especially in the NBA where egos can, man, egos can really put like, hey, man, these guys didn't want me. Screw them. I'll play. I'll play this out. You don't want that. You don't want that drama.
0: Well, the, that's the last thing I'll say about the Celtics thing before we move on, uh, and Kevin Durant is, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the problem now with this situation. It was still all sunshine and rainbows for the Celtics considering their run. Yes, it ended, you know, it ended in the way it did. It always sucks to lose the finals. That's always a big issue. Uh, or, you know, that's always something that, that bums everybody out. You never want to lose the finals, but if you're in this conversation and Jalen Brown's name is being thrown around and, you know, talks heat up a little bit, but then it falls through, you're taking a team that just had great chemistry in the second half of the season. And prior to that had poor chemistry. That was a big issue. And you may did a great job kind of turning the tide. But it's like, is this, you know, a domino that's going to send things back in the wrong direction? Because now Jalen Brown doesn't feel respected. He's like, oh, you're going to leave me. And we can all sit here and say, it's like, well, Jalen, don't be silly. Like, and make, you know, you're a really good player. And that's the only reason you would be traded for somebody like Kevin Durant. But he doesn't think that way. He's not going to sit there and say, you know, well, oh, okay, you're right. I'm really good. So that's why I was in the conversation. Like, no, he's, he feels disrespected that he just helped you get to an NBA finals and his name's on the, on the trading block. So I just am going to be interested to see if it doesn't work out. If there's some tension in this, like, you know, are we going to see kind of the old Celtics shine through again, where. Things seem a little awkward behind the scenes. Things always seem a little tense. There's always seems to be a little bit of discomfort between Tatum and Brown, maybe not, you know, uh, in the locker room friendship wise, but on the court, like who's the guy. So it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what comes if the Durant deal does not go through.
1: Yeah. It's going to, and the NBA and the NFL, man, those two sports, there's always something cooking.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. The Okay. So the other player we have to talk about obviously is Donovan Mitchell. Uh, another superstar who is, or at least you can call him a superstar in the making, who is available. Uh, This situation is interesting for other reasons. Now, we talk about the Durant one and say the team has some leverage. They don't have to trade him, but that's not really true because it's Durant. In this case, I think it's a little more true for the Jazz. He is under contract. All reports seem to suggest that Mitchell isn't pushing for this as much. He hasn't made that formal request. He's okay with it happening, but there is a possibility that they go into the next season with Donovan Mitchell on the roster. Uh, my question though, is, you know, if they were to do that, it seems like he's just a sitting duck and he's going to be traded eventually. Uh, no matter where he goes, I feel like the jazz want to tank right now. Anyway, there's the Fr- you know, the French forward who everybody wants next year. seems huh. like Danny Ainge is all in on potentially just tanking and going right for that. So this situation is going to be an interesting one to unfold because I think it, Donovan Mitchell is too good to tank, especially after being in the playoffs like almost every year of his uh, career so far. But I also understand it from the perspective of, well, you know, we don't want to just make this trade happen for the sake of making it happen. Like we want to wait and make sure we get the uh, the the right amount of. Got to make
1: the right move. You got to right. make the right move because I remember. It's kind of a different situation, but a similar ideology where a team wants to achieve X. So to do so, we have to make a trade. Remember when the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony and it was right before Anthony was going to be a free agent and sign with the Knicks anyway? The Knicks felt it was necessary to trade for him to make sure that they had him in-house before Mm -hmm. signing him. The Nuggets are on the other, the Nuggets. The Jazz are on the other end of the spectrum, where they know what they want and they want to bottom out for the big forward whose name eludes me.
0: And it's I Victor Bob. Imbo- I, I don't want to botch it, but I, I botch it
1: every time. So I've just, I've said
0: it right in the past, but then I bust it. And now the mic's in my face, so the pressure's on. But if Vic, we'll call him Vic, Big Vic, Big Vic, big Vic, <laughs> Big
1: Vic. So everyone wants Big Vic. There's probably going to be more teams tanking for big Vic than trying to make the playoffs. So they're on the other end of that spectrum where it's that we know what we want and we need to make a trade to get it, but we don't want to, you know, you don't want to settle. Right. So, and, and, and
0: I mean, and I guess at the end of the day, like a consolation prize of keeping Donovan, you know, like there's worse things than being like, okay, no big Vic, we'll still try to build around Donovan Mitchell. Like there's the worse things the in the world. Like
1: a, an all NBA caliber player. Right.
0: That. An all NBA caliber scorer, someone who's dropped 28 and a half points or 20, I think it's 28.3 points uh, in his career in the playoffs so far. And that's like a decent resume of playoff games. So he's, you know, he, and, and that's actually speaks to another point about Mitchell I think he's honestly become a little underrated in some of these conversations that, that we have around him, just because, and maybe the asking price, of course, doesn't make him underrated, but just the way he's talked about among it, some NBA fans and some NBA analysts, it's like, this dude's really freaking good. Like, does he suck on defense? Yeah. Can he be better? Like, I do think he can get a little better on that end, but also so many players suck on defense when you're, when you are you know, a star scorer. He has that kind of star, uh, he has the-, the Star qualities. Yeah, he has the star qualities that you're looking for, which is why, you know, a team like the Knicks wants him so bad and why I think he would love to go to the Knicks. One team, though, so speaking yeah, speaking of the Knicks, that's a team that I think definitely we all agree have the right have the the assets to land him, uh, whether or not they will... I also think they're gullible enough to pay the, probably yes. the price because at the end of the day, Mitchell's not going to be worth uh, seven firsts. If that, you know, essentially, like if that's what but i could see them being like you know what screw it we we haven't had a star since carmelo like let's just do it yeah. and
1: desperation breeds situations like this and like that's why danny ainge can sit back and be like hey man seven first round picks eight first round whatever 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 i want i'm going to get because we want this we want this tank but we could probably make it happen without trading donovan, donovan mitchell it'll be harder we can still make it happen Sure. you guys need you guys the knicks need donovan mitchell you need that star power and there's nowhere else you can really get it you're not trading for for durant
0: no you're not trading for durant and i mean we could talk about you know them trying to sign somebody via cap space too but like at the end of the day they've been trying to do that for years and it just doesn't and that's just not the nba anymore you trade for stars so so for them i think they can panic and you know look like there was the report about Danny Age asking for seven. I doubt they actually get seven. It'll probably be, you know, closer to it'll be like five or something, but it'll be some decent players in return, maybe quickly, you know, Toppins going over yeah. there. Uh they they have decent decent assets. It's gonna be a big haul if it ends up happening. And I don't want it to because it's the Knicks and I don't want good things for the Knicks. It would be fun.
1: Screw it up anyway.
0: Yeah, I, it's true. I mean, it will, if you want anybody's picks, right? Like I guess you probably want if you want New York. So, I don't know. That 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 that's going to be interesting. But the other team that uh, has always come up for him and Durant has been Miami. And the Miami thing has been silly, but you can never rule them out because of Pat Riley. But the reason that I find the Miami situation a little bit silly for either player is because all these packages center around Tyler Hero. And I'm sitting there and I'm like who is? Does anyone think Tyler Heroes is as good as Miami does? Like I don't get me wrong, it's a good I know scorer. one
1: person. I'm oh, yeah? a
0: guy in a bar. <laughs> um, this was like pre-draft, and
1: I don't know how we got talking about NBA draft, but he said Tyler Hero is white Kevin Durant, and I'm just like,
0: oh my god. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay,
1: I, I had to stop myself. I was like, like, no, I'm like look at how he scores, and, and he's a, I mean, he, he scores, and he's a fun player to watch, and he can shoot. Man, Kevin Durant is a unicorn. He's a seven foot shooting guard. He's he's one of a kind. He's one of one. Tyler Hero is a nice player. He's not.
0: I would have shattered my beer bottle on that man's head. I <laughs> we would have been all on, It would have been a bar brawl going out over the comment. No, I mean, Tyler Hero is a good player. He's totally good. Uh, you know he he is a star. like he, the six man role was cool to see him in last year. He's a starting caliber player. Like, can he be a you know, tw- like, t- could he be potentially 25 points per game guy on a really crappy team? Yeah, of sure. Course. like, can he be, you know, the key piece of a really crappy team? Of course. But I just don't think he's the centerpiece of getting Donovan Mitchell or the centerpiece the
1: centerpiece of a playoff team.
0: No, no. And, and that's what you're going to look for. If you're going to want to play or at least, you know, you want that high upside type that, talent. Man. So I don't know, That's that's been always funny. And yeah, I guess they could always throw Bam, but like they're not gonna give Bam up for Mitchell. They give Bam up for Durant, but they can't do that because there's that whole Ben Simmons situation. You can't have two uh, rookie max extension guys on the same team, so that's a mess. But yeah, the Mitchell situation will be one that uh, just like Durant, I think the Durant thing is obviously casting a shadow over this. And that's another reason that maybe Mitchell's become a little underrated in some conversations recently is like, if there was no Kevin Durant talk right now, like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's, a a huge star to be on the move like huge (laughs) and especially when we consider his age and the amount of years you would have him for especially if you get if you're like a team like the Knicks and you get him to a big city so uh that's a conversation that I feel like isn't talked about enough because of Durant because he is a difference maker he immediately makes your team in my opinion Mitchell does a you know playoff caliber team for Mm -hmm. the next couple years just because of how how special he is on the offensive end. Yep. yep. Uh, going to segueing from that, and I think this, I think the Mitchell thing is a good segue to this. Uh, the last thing I want to end with here before we kind of talk uh, about team building is just about what the Jazz have done with Rudy Gobert and how that has impacted the market that we see right now. So the way that I, I look at this Rudy Gobert trade, I think it's somebody who... I'll put it this way. The way that I look at this Rudy Gobert trade is... There's one person who did a really good job on a, on a test in college, right? Like, remember when you were in co- you, you sit in college, and then the, everyone did really bad on the test, and the professor, you know, the, there was that one kid, who, they'd say there was this one person who did really good, maybe they got like a 95, or everyone else was hanging in that B range or something, and that person, because of them, your curve is screwed up, right? Like, now you don't get as, as, as big of a curve, everyone's mad at that one person, they screwed it up for everyone, uh, they ruined it for the rest of the class. So for me, that's how kind of how I'm looking at this Rudy Gobert situation, because it's like, now the professor's holding us to your standard. All is all everybody else has to be held to your standard, to this big time deal that you got. We're all trying to we have to try to all reach this thing, but it's ridiculous. No one's gonna be able to reach it. You were the one person who was able to reach that mark. The Minnesota Timberwolves, or I shouldn't say the one person that could reach it, but the one person willing to reach that mark in the com- in this situation, uh, in this in this NBA metaphor that I'm using. But it's basically, uh, uh, we put ourselves in a situation here where people like Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant, big major stars, are probably not going to be able to be traded as easily because of what happened with Gobert. Like, Durant's package, if someone got what they got for Gobert for Durant, it would, like, make some sense, probably. Like, take away the Gobert trade, and it's like... They gave up. Minnesota gave up as much as they did. It would be probably like one more better player. But then for Durant, it would be like, oh, that makes sense. But now because of what happened with Gobert, it's like, well, Durant needs to be worth more than that. But it's like, can any team go more than that? Is any team willing to go more than that? So I don't know. It's just it, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on how do you think the market recorrects itself? Will the market recorrect itself? Because we're in a weird situation here.
1: We just saw this in NFL circles. This past offseason with how the Jaguars were snatching up wide receivers. They had a ton of cap space and a ton of need. And then Christian Kirk is getting 84 million and Zay Jones is getting 10 million and uh, all sorts of other players are getting big money. Evan Ingram is getting big money. And it's just like, I remember uh, I had someone inside my DMs and like, yep, the jet, he said, you're spot on the Jags F the market. And I'm just like, ooh, I feel smart now. But like, that's kind of what happened with the uh, – that's what's happening in the NBA now with Rudy Gobert. That trade has screwed everyone up because now everyone thinks, oh, well, if this is what this costs, something better should cost more. And, like, ideally, sure, like, that's how that's how this works in these leagues. But, like, at some point, there's going to be a stop.
0: You have and to look at these situations in a va- – uh, some of these trades in a vacuum. Like, they, they can't – I understand that you sit there especially that from the Nets perspective and you go like or let's even go from from the Jazz Donovan Mitchell perspective where Mitchell's the more intriguing asset than Gobert so you're like well we want more than what we got from Gobert but it's like you're not you may not be able to find a team that's going to be willing to do that and the the Timberwolves they yeah you just you're not going to be able to find a team that might be willing to do that so I don't know it just it seems like one of those things where like I don't know how we get back to where we were is it like, you know, it's like we have the post-pandemic life, right? Which the pandemic's not over, but people say post-pandemic life. Is this like post-Gobert NBA now, where the next we're several off-seasons? We're going to have to, seasons, have to
1: get be. there. What What's probably going have to have to happen is there's going to be a disgruntled superstar who picks his team, and the price is less because the team trading the star doesn't have the leverage that's what it's going to take to bring prices back down.
0: Yeah. It's just, this hasn't, it, it, this couldn't have come at a worse time. The, uh, the go bear trade, because now you have Durant and Mitchell on, on the trading block and teams just don't know how to acquire them. And Durant, you know, that's a specific situation. Like that would have been hard regardless, but it just has screwed things so much up so much that this offseason it's totally possible that neither end up on the move. We talk about how Durant could return to the nets and how, you know, the jazz might decide to keep Mitchell and it would be fun to see both those players move like if if for the nba purposes for basketball viewing purposes it could be fun to watch those players um players go but it's just i don't know if if they're even going to be able to find a trade one of them either is going to have to you know bite the bullet and just say okay i'm going to take i'll take less like maybe in the mitchell situation you just take less but it it puts uh it it puts the league in a very weird spot and maybe you can just hope that going into next offseason like you know take a year and th- people forget about it. And then like you said, something like that happens and then the price goes back down. It's just uh, the market isn't a place that we haven't seen it really ever. And well, I, it's well, hard to
1: bet. A guy like Durant a year from now, if he stays in Brooklyn, because he'll be a year older, a year more wear and tear and who knows where his head's going to be. And what, 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 the big challenging part, like if this was happening in baseball, it's easier to make, that type of mid-year trade if you're a team like in the hunt and like we need a pitcher we'll trade our prospects for a pitcher if you need a scorer like mitchell you can't just swing that trade out of nowhere
0: or prospects like in baseball at least you have prospects you have like yeah. a huge prospect pool to be like all right well and here's like a bunch of my you know like here's just you a bunch can't of trading,
1: trading a bunch of players mid-season and then still think you're going to be able to compete like it just again we saw it with the next they traded a bunch of dudes for for Carmelo and they got Carmelo and they got that production and they got that star power but we saw that death take a hit and it caused them to not hit the heist that yeah they well
0: had. that's why it's now yeah that's why it is now or never when we talk about some of these trades too
1: to uh, before before camps open up really?
0: Yeah, it can happen during, but that it has to happen before the season starts, really, yes. because at the end of the day, like you can't get midway through the year, get to the trade line and make these big moves because year after year we see them fall flat. I mean, if you even if you want to look at much smaller scale in terms of talking about Mitchell and, and Durant, but like even the the Bulls going after you know Vucevic, thinking, oh, this will push us into the playing territory. It's like no, it's not going to because the at the end of the day, it takes time to adjust. Look at. Uh, you know, the 76ers uh, grabbing Harden when they did, it's like, okay, this is, you know, this could potentially, in the first couple of games, it looked like, oh crap, this is, you know, this is going to be a, a finals uh, contending team. But it wasn't that way when the playoffs started. Cause you're just like, eh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bumps. They got to work out. Everyone has to get comfortable mm-hmm. with one another. And and that's the thing. Continuity is becoming way more important in, the nba than we've seen in a little while and i think it's a it's a natural process after all this player movement we've seen over the past decade it makes sense that things i think are coming around a little bit to the point where we're sitting here and looking at the warriors and uh, return to the finals and then we're looking at the celtics you know be the team that represents from the east they have a core that's been together for a couple of years so yeah that like that's where i think the nba is heading a little bit back in that direction of of you can even look all the way back to Giannis staying in Milwaukee and, and doing what he did. So we're, we're going a little bit back in that, in uh, that direction, but yeah, the, the, in terms of the trade market right now, it's like the off season is the time to, to, to make it happen because you got to have as much time as possible to build things up. So yeah. if neither of these players are moved by training camp, it's hard to imagine it gets done this year. And if it does get done this year, it's like whatever team does trade for him, nothing's going to happen like that team's giving up everything right. mid-season
1: We're going on an uphill battle that is not
0: worth it. and i can't imagine that mitchell nor uh durant would want that you know durant doesn't want to just be traded let's say mid-season to the pelicans and then all of a sudden you know everyone's gone and it's just like okay i'm on the pelicans for the rest of the year but we stink like he wants to play yeah. to win so he will even understand i'm sure it's like okay if i have to play here in brooklyn for another year at least i'm with you know, we'll see what Ben Simmons is, but at least I'm with a, a group that I've played with, and I've, I'm cu- with a couple other stars that I can actually, you know, compete in the East. So uh, it's now or never to get it done, and and I'll be curious to see if it can get done because of what Rudy Gobert did and <laughs> to the market. We'll we'll see. We absolutely wrecked the market, and okay, let's let's now uh, pivot to more of this general philosophical team building discussion. That that I, that I uh, wanted to have with you again. I'll set it up like this: the Bears, obviously, they just changed their front office. Ryan Poles, name, way too similar to Ryan Pace, but we're gonna let it go. For <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna give him a Matt chance. Matt
1: Ryan giving way to Matt and Ryan.
0: Yeah, so the uh, the team has has uh, at least changed uh, the people. And the names might be similar, but the uh, the people have changed, and the, fill, the the approach has changed. The idea of how they want to construct this team has changed. But my question is how they have started, which is blowing it all up, right? I mean, it, it's very clear that, that yes, they've picked Fields to you know continue to be their 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 guy, they're building around their quarterback. But this is not like a what we've seen from the Bears the past couple of years or maybe the past handful of years, which is like every year we're going to at least try to be in the mix. It seems like this year they're very like, we're not, yeah. <laughs> we're not interested. This and, Yeah. And we're not interested. We're, we're just going to, you know, work on development. So you have that for the bears versus a team like the Chicago bulls, who we saw two years ago, change their front office, extremely different approach. You saw immediately, they took a year to kind of evaluate what they had, but then, Midseason that year at the trade deadline, they said, all right, everyone's gone. Literally traded almost the entire roster. And only two players remain from Kobe White and Zach Lavine. Kobe White could be gone soon. Who knows? Only two players remain uh, from when they first took over the team. So I guess let's start with this question. I already said this, but let's start with this question. What do you think about blowing it up? The idea of that, you look at it from a Bears perspective, but all around in sports, the idea of blowing it up, do you think that's the natural right way to go when you decide to get a new front office, if you want to kind of revamp a team? In your head, if you were the front office guys, is that normally your first thought? It's like, let's just blow this up.
1: Well, it's a slippery slope with the Bears because, as you pointed out, recent years, their plan has been to try to piece it together, whether it's, Spending a bunch of money on Robert Quinn, making a trade for Nick Foles, making the trade up for for Justin Fields. Everything that Ryan Pace did from twenty nine from twenty eighteen, really from twenty eighteen to twenty one was about getting the most out of this core of Mac Hicks, Eddie Jackson, Roquan, those guys. I, I look at what the Bears, what Ryan Poles did as someone who, I'm trying to think what, what kind all right, you ever see the, uh, there, there's a Simpsons episode where Homer is a negotiator and he starts the negotiations and like it just blows up in his face immediately. <laughs> um, that's kind of what Ryan Poles was facing when he came to Chicago. He comes in, it's like, all right, cool, what can I do? It's like, oh, you've got, 30 outgoing free agents. You have an expensive Mac coming off injury. You have an expensive Robert Quinn coming off a great season. You've got an expensive Allen Robinson who is coming off his worst year. And you've got a couple of young pieces. But your best pieces are Justin Fields, who is an unproven second-year player, and Roquan Smith, a, an inside linebacker, who is a star at his position, but his position isn't as important as it used to be. So what do you do when you come in? Do you try to piece it together? Do you keep Mac? Do you try to piece it together here and there and, and and cobble something together where you win seven, eight, nine games? Or do you say, Hey, look, we're already halfway there because we got 30 outgoing free agents. Tear the rest down, get your cap situation right, and move forward from there. For me, and I said it was a slippery slope because this is this is what happens you've got a team that was as talented as the Bears were on paper which' is just like well if you had a left tackle or a better offensive line you had another receiver and another maybe defensive back or two then maybe that team could win eight nine ten games in the NFC North were like you know Minnesota's average Detroit's average like you could be the best of that average group but is that what you want as a team?
0: Right. So I think that's, yeah, that's the question that, that uh, even if we look at it from the bulls perspective uh, and just sports in general, when you're looking from NBA, any team that's, that's kind of looking to revamp and and, and retool in some way, the question is always like, well, we just want to avoid being average for too long. Right. So I think the way that I always look at it, and this probably is a little bit different. it, It relative to what sport you're talking about. But I think you always have to be like, you have to be good before you're great, right? Like how often are you horrible before you're great? And yeah, there's a way to get good by first blowing it all up. And then, you know, that's the first step, then you get good and then you get great. But for me, it's like, do you give yourself more bites of the apple if you're just good consistently? and then hopefully find a way to be great. And I think in the NBA, we see that a little bit more frequently, right? Because you see um, teams and, and you know the, the Bulls could be an example of somebody who is hoping to do this. Somebody who is good for the next several years or for the next couple of years. And then they have at least some interesting assets to get a disgruntled star. Yeah, they're lacking some right now because, and we could talk about it, the approach that they had wasn't necessarily the best because of how many of the assets they gave up right away to do this but you recuperate assets over the time over time you hope that some of your young players get even better and then because you're decent right now and by decent I mean a playoff caliber team you can take it's easier for you to have an opportunity to potentially grab that one player that becomes that difference maker versus grabbing more and more players so that's the difference between where the two teams decided to go is you know the bears are just hoping that you get the I guess the bears are hoping that you get those assets through the draft and, and then the Bears the, chose
1: the path of draft and salary cap space rather than minimal contract short-term bridge guys.
0: Right. And then the the Bulls decided, you know, and they, and they did draft some good assets too, but they decided like, okay, maybe I'm going to, you know, spend some some big money here or whatever. And then, and it's also, it's just, it's always hard uh, a little bit comparing the two just because of how many more players there are in, in one sport than the other. But There was a little bit of a a different approach in terms of just like, well, let's spend the money now. We'll get good, and then we'll figure out the assets that we have later. Whether that's you know Patrick Williams or even that's a big money slot. You know, you trade maybe a a a DeRozan for somebody if you have to, or maybe who knows what's going to happen with Vucevic. But like technically this year, that would be a big money slot that you can have, uh, you can use to get another big player. So yeah, for me, it's just always interesting when to have these discussions when it's like. Is the better way to just set yourself up to, like I said, have more bites of the apple, or kind of blow it all up, target dra- the draft, and hope you find kind of your star, and you and you make your star player, and you make the team from there.
1: What's interesting about the Bears situation is that it the bull the Bulls thing is applicable. The the Bears are probably a year away from being in that situation where the Bulls were where they needed to. You hope, You hope, You well, hope. Think about where the Bulls were before A.K.A. got here. This was a team that was down and out. Nobody wanted to go there. They had a bad rep with Paxson and Gar. The Bears aren't there, but they could be in a year. because Ryan Ryan Poles is an unknown, but at some point what needs to happen, he needs to, one, spend money to either retain players or bring in new guys and spend draft picks. Uh, we think of the, the failures in team building, we think of Ryan Pace, and you think of the first round picks, the only one who, who played, or he will play his fifth year, you know, the fifth year option on his rookie deal, is Roquan Smith. And at some point you have to, you know, either you have to decide that you're going to pay him or let him walk, but like, again, the Bears are a year away from needing to prove that they're they're a force. And, like, and I know it. probably my most unpopular opinion is that, like, I have no issues with the Vooch trade in hindsight. Like, yeah, look, Wendell Carter looked good, and Vooch didn't look great last year. But the Bulls needed to do that to, to prove to Levine that they could build and were willing to build around him and to show other agents around the league and other players, like, hey, like, they're working to build something. Right yeah. now, the Bears are in a spot where it's just, like, they're tearing down and everyone realizes that but at this time next year or, or, or next March, the bears need to be a team where other players are like, Hey, they're building something. We want to be a part of that. Otherwise it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long building process.
0: Right. And I, and I think just a brief aside with the, bringing up the Vooch thing, I, I couldn't agree more where I think it's definitely something that I would do again. I understand because we're making assumptions with that. When we do this a lot with trades, but you're making the assumption that Wendell's the same player he well, First off, let's remind everybody that Wendell Carter Jr. had a good year for the worst team in the NBA. Right. So let's, I, I think that's what everyone assumes. It's like, well, that Wendell, that would have been the Wendell you got on the team that won Forty-six games and won the most games, you know, for the Bulls since the 2014 season. No, like I don't know if that would have been the, the same. Parts. Wendell. He even, I'm pretty sure I would have to double check this. So I guess no one quote me on this. I don't know who's quoting points in the podcast, but yeah. if you, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Wendell was like, I needed this change of scenery. You know, like he needed that to become the player he is mm-hmm. now. Because in Chicago, we even saw it when the front office switched, the coaching staff switched. He kind of looked like the same old Wendell. Like they tried to do more with him. Billy wanted him to stretch the floor. He wanted all this but the confidence in Chicago was not there for Wendell. And so there's a mix of things that I think we, we uh, overthink in terms of that trade sometimes, or at least Bulls fans do where it's like, Hey, like, Oh, look at how good he's playing right now. It's like, well, let's remember he played for the worst. He's playing for the worst team in the league. Let's also remember that he probably needed this change of scenery and that freedom in the position to, to be able to, you know, accomplish what he's doing there. And three, we're talking about centers here like that's, yeah. at the end of the day this is the this is the least important position of the NBA maybe it comes around it looks like it's it's flipping a little bit uh back in the direction but he's still undersized he still has trouble guarding bigger guys it's not like some of these rim protection issues he's yes he's a switchable defender and, and all this he's a good defender don't get me wrong but there's still like it's not some people might think he comes in and he, he fixes uh the you know guarding Giannis and Embiid and stuff it's like nah that's probably not going to happen nobody can guard those guys this but is a,
1: This is a lot like the conversations I had about Robbie Gold after he got cut with the Bears. Robbie Gold said when he went to the Giants that he needed the time to go back. He looked at tape. He saw it where he, his mechanics were messed up. He got healthy. He had, people forget that he had a groin injury the year before. And like Wendell Carter, he had plenty of injuries before. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah, sometimes you need that change of scenery and you're not going to get the same guy. Right. That's but, just, Yeah. Development isn't linear. Brett talks about it all the time. Development isn't linear.
0: Yes. And and uh, and that kind of goes back to just the, the, the team building thing here is it, it, also the idea of development versus, you know, just kind of going after some win-ready teams. But you, the one thing I will say, too, is you make a good point by kind of reiterating, and you're making me rethink it a little bit, with how this year for a team like the Bears is kind of maybe like what we did see last year from the Bulls, where you know, they took almost the whole year to evaluate what they had and then immediately decided to get aggressive. So we can't rule out the idea of the Bears deciding next year to immediately get more aggressive and becoming that playoff caliber team. Uh, I just think that it also hinges a lot on the star power, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like you have to decide whether or not you have the star power to be aggressive. I think the Bulls did see, and, and rightfully so, that they had that with Zach Levine. He might not be a top, you know, ten player in the NBA right now. Like that's not who he is, but he is somebody who still has a lot of room to, room to grow. Somebody that had two, you know, he he was got his first All Star last uh, last season, had his second one this year. He would have been on pace to be an All NBA caliber player this year if he uh, if it wasn't for the knee problems, in my in my opinion. And he's one of the best, you know, if we're talking about scores, he's probably one of the best. He's easily top ten scorer, I think, you know, in, in the NBA potentially. Uh, so that's one of those things where it's like they saw what they had with him, and they knew like okay, because he's this good, we have to build around him now. If you have maybe somebody like Fields, for instance, that's what it is. Yep, you can yep. say yeah. we don't have to. Yeah, but for Fields, he's a little bit you know he's a little you know he's younger. You know, quarterbacks like they, they have a long they have a but, long lifespan. But
1: just as Zach Levine proved that hey, you guys can build around me. Just get me some talent, I'll make it happen. Justin Fields needs to prove that for the Bears. He needs to go out there, have a good, strong year, and show like, "Hey, like, get me some talent, and I will take you to the next level." So yeah,
0: that's a, that's a that's a good point. So I guess it hinges also on the idea when you're looking at how to build your team, it's like, okay, well, you have to have this time to evaluate. I think is what we're we're also saying you is like that evaluation period. There's because there are definitely guys who come in and immediately you know just want to make it their own. And I think that could definitely be dangerous because you want to see what you you have. It's possible that you change your. I think the way that maybe the Bulls did it was the right way, where it's like, okay, well, we're immediately going to change the coaching situation because that's horrible. <laughs> we need to we need to get an actual smart head coach in here, and then he can also help tell us like, all right, what do we have here? And, and this is a little bit different for the Bears just because Everflus has never you know performed at this stage before. He's never been a head coach, but at least I think getting someone like Donovan was really smart. And if you're going to be approaching team building this way, where it's like, well, let's get smart people in the room. And then they tell us if they think, you know, this person's good too. And they obviously decided the bulls did that. No one was good except for, <laughs> except for like <laughs> Levine. And, but they said Levine's so good that we could be aggressive and we could build around it. And so for fields, that's going to, that's definitely going to be a question this year is do we have, is he good enough? to be the type of – is he a Levine-caliber player in, in, relative to the NFL where it's like, all right, we can be aggressive enough to build around him now. Now, they have a little more lead well, because I don't think they need to make that decision. They don't have to make that decision. They have this
1: two year, years they? to make that decision yeah. because they have to pick up the fifth-year option at some point after year
0: three. Okay. So, they have a, yeah, they have a little bit more time to, to make it, but ultimately I think that's what – what we're talking about here. That's the big decision is just, is he good enough to build around? Cause otherwise, and you mentioned it earlier, it becomes an even longer <laughs> process. See, and then you really are blowing, I think blowing everything. This
1: is, this is why I like, this is why I like the bears plan of attack. I don't love it, but like I can see the path where it's okay. This year, Justin Fields proves that he's a guy that you can build around. So next off you use your top 10, Draft picks, um, you get, you use your your salary cap space wisely, and then in year three, that's the year where Justin proves is he a guy getting an extension like Kyler Murray, or is he is he getting the the Daniel Jones treatment? Because then, if you're the Bears and you do this correctly, you do this like the Broncos did, then you're in a situation where hey, they've got an attractive team and they're a quarterback away. We'll we'll go the NBA route. Who's the disgruntled quarterback in two years who wants out? And then you can use Justin Fields as a trade chip like Drew Locke. Because okay. look, Drew Locke can be traded for Russell Wilson. Justin Fields, who's immensely more talented than Drew Locke, can be dangled as a piece. So I I would have rather they gotten some receivers and some offensive line help and and done things differently. But if things go as their plan goes. You've, you'll have a solid secondary led by Brisker and, and Gordon. You'll still have Roquan in the middle. I don't know what they're going to do about pass rushers. I don't think this defense is built on pass rushers, but you, you've upgraded your secondary, which you need in a pass first league. You get some, you upgrade that offensive line. You get a receiver next to Mooney. You keep drafting running backs. Now you've got a team, but you don't have a quarterback.
0: Right, and but that and that's the biggest thing that you're looking for. Which in the NBA, it's like you're looking for. The, you can have a bunch of solid players, but then if you don't have a star, you're nothing. Right. So it's the same thing in the NFL, where if you don't, you know, you can have a bunch of solid players, but if you don't have a quarterback, you're kind of you're kind of nothing. So then you're in a hard situation where yeah, maybe you're one piece away, but how how easy is it to get that one piece? Which brings you back to should we just blow it up? So to try to look for that one piece. But I think what we're what this conversation is helping me see too from, from even the 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 bears perspective, or just even again, broadening it to just even a, a team building wide discussion for any sport. There's kind of this benefit to still moving quickly. I think sometimes when we think about a rebuild of sorts or a retooling of sorts, uh, there can be this delay or there's, this, there's this lag, but there's still like a sense of urgency, right. To make sure you get it done quick. Like if you look, I kind of start thinking about while you were talking, it's like, all right, let's look at like the Oklahoma city thunder who have just decided over the past several years, it's (laughs) like, well, we're just going to keep being trash and we're just going to keep getting a bunch of picks and look, maybe it, it works out. And, you know, maybe they're able to trade all those picks for somebody, but at the same time they're the thunder. And I mean, again, and maybe they draft a Vic, right? Like maybe they do end up getting somebody, but this is year. These are years of, you know, just being bad and hoping for the best, and we've seen that fail in the past. Like the Kings have been bad forever, and they haven't come out of it. You know, so it's mm-hmm. there's this kind of sense of urgency when you have something.
1: On the NFL side, yeah,
0: yeah, there's there's teams that we all could we can name in any sport who have just been bad forever, and a lot of it is because there's there's no sense of direction or this sense of urgency, which we're speaking of, and I think both at least in speaking more specifically to again Chicago's situation in both the Bears and the Bulls I feel like there is a sense of urgency which is at least a good thing there's an element of like let's go quick we need to evaluate who's good quick we need to decide if we have a star quick and if uh, we do have a star which we believe we do in Fields or Levine let's quickly make sure we find the pieces that can that can go around them and I think there's uh, definitely some teams who who don't think that way or they don't have a star, and if you don't have a star, then I guess that's a question we could try to answer too. If you don't have a star, then I, I guess you. What do you think the best thing is? You just start tanking, or do you do whatever you can co- by compiling whatever assets you have? Just like let's compile these assets to get one more de- one decent player, then that decent player. Well, hopefully, we could turn into somebody else. Like,
1: I don't know. I think the plan. I think the modern NBA and really any sport get good players. And then let everything else figure itself out because at the end of the day, we're talking of this is an entertainment industry and that's big you, too. You should want to put out a good, fun, entertaining product. Tanking, I get it, but that wears on people. And well, not just fans, you can fall into
0: a huge hole by just uh-huh. taking over and over. We've seen it all the time.
1: And your young players, and it's one of the things I wrote about earlier in the offseason at BN. Is like the Bears must really have faith in Justin Fields' mental capacity to take a, potentially take another beating and have another losing season, and that's why they're taking a little bit of a slower approach in year one. They think about it. The Bears were in this situation with Mitch back in 2018, and they went all in to get him receivers. You know, Allen Robinson. Taylor Gabriel, they traded for Anthony Miller, they drafted James Daniels, they gave Trey Burton a bunch of money. The Bears could have conceivably done that this year with Fields. I don't think they could have done what they're doing now with Trubisky. Think about Levine. The Bulls, AK, saw that, hey, we've got a guy here, we can build with this, and we could do it in this way. It, there aren't a lot of players that were, you could do that with Like you couldn't do that with Gordon Hayward, right? For example.
0: No, you're, you're, right. And, and, and that's why there, th- the, the bulls were at least lucky a little bit in that sense of having that player. And maybe the bears are too. And at least having that player uh, to, you know, kind of move forward with, if you're, you know, Oklahoma city, you know, like maybe you have Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's, he looks like an all-star caliber player, but it's like you've already been tanking long enough where it's like, he's out of your timeline now in terms of getting all these <laughs> other players. But you speak to the point, too, of uh, the mental capacity thing with fields, right? Do you have the players on your team to help, like, the young guys, right? Like, that's a big thing, too, because that's something you don't have when you're tanking. So maybe you, like, sign, like, let's say OKC. I just keep using OKC because they're kind of the peak example right now of a team who's really trying to be bad. And, and just is in pile up assets, which, like I said, it's awesome to have a bunch of first round picks. It could totally work out. And if they do hit gold, even in the draft, they'll have a ton more assets to immediately build, you know, potentially a team by trading for people around somebody great. But do you have like veteran players to be able to lead young guys? And that's the problem that we've, we see teams fall into this trap of being so bad for so long because you can't expect young players in any sport to come in and be great right away. Only the rarest, rarest of players, LeBron James going to Cleveland and just being able to, you know, do what he did. I mean, he obviously had some veterans there to help him too, but like, like he was just special. Jordan kind of same way, you know, like you, you're talking about these guys that are just coming to the league and they're special right away. Magic. Uh, a, a, I mean, magic also Kareem's there, sure. but you know, these are just, that's somebody who could come in though right away and uh, perform at a level and take your, your team to, to uh, a place that, that just few, few players can ever do. And most of the time you need to add young talent to an already established team. And then that young talent's really good. We see like IO last year is a good example, you know, like he comes in and he, his role's not, there's not too much on his shoulders and he performs super well. We see this all the time from players who go to winning teams. They honestly sometimes end up looking better than, than these players who uh, have to fend for themselves on bad teams. So that's another disadvantage to choosing that approach of tanking is like okay, even though you're adding these really good young assets, uh, if you're not having a... a, Yeah, if you don't have a foundation in place, if you don't have winning talent in place, these young players are super good. They're going to be at the end of their contract. And then they're going to say like, well, I don't... We didn't win anything while I was here. How can you convince me we're going to win something now? Send me to a team that's been winning. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's this... it, It all goes back to, I think, what the Chicago teams are doing, which is, all right, we have to at least turn this around relatively quickly so we could show people that we're serious. And that's what the balls fell into before uh, Arturis and Mark arrived, this trap of just kind of not caring about, you know, uh, being aggressive to make the team look like a a winning uh, place and get veteran players around these teams that last year they tried by trying to grab like a Thaddeus and like a Saturday, but they're not grabbing the right guys. So that's what they fell into. And that's why it ultimately came crashing and burning because they just they weren't willing enough to be aggressive enough to eventually find uh, players that can that can show you what it's like to win.
1: Yep, and that's that's a thing that the Bears are digging out from. You know, this is a team with more than fifty million dollars worth of, of dead cap money and, of players that they're playing not to play here. So yeah, no, that again, it, it goes back to team building, and and this is this is probably another hour long conversation. It's it's beyond thinking. It is. Building with pieces that can move your team forward. Everything, the way good teams operate is does this move get me closer to
0: winning a championship? And that's how teams should operate. <laughs>
1: that's, how,
0: that's how the good teams do, though. Yes, yes, yes.
1: I, I, I see your OKC, uh, you know, that, that conversation piece. I'm like, I don't know. I these moves are geared toward getting good players and elite players at the top of draft boards. That doesn't necessarily mean they're getting, they're building toward a championship.
0: It's throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and hoping that something sticks. It's that's, that's what they're doing. And like I said, it's hundred percent possible. Something sticks hundred percent. It's also possible, but the, I guess the, no, it's something will stick eventually. I'll put it that way. The question is how long are you willing to wait for that? Something's to stick. Right. And, and the, the Thunder are smart enough. I Earlier, I, you know, I bring up the Kings. I, I don't want to make it seem like like the Thunder, led by Sam Presti, are way better run organization. Like, that's a legitimately good organization, which is why it's kind of weird to see them not be good and competitive for as long as they have been. Um, and, you know, I guess it hasn't been truly that long. But um, that's why it's funny to see them continue to just kind of be like, all right, when are you going to go in? When are you going to push? When are you going to try to add somebody? When are you going to do it? Because they are a smart organization. It's just... They are doing that more of, okay, I'm just going to keep throwing at the wall and then hope I land the star, which maybe this is another, you talk about another hour long conversation. This is another hour long conversation when you talk about uh, the different markets, right? Like how you want to approach those different markets. We're sitting here talking after this conversation as people in one of the biggest markets in the country and with uh, some of the biggest name brand teams in the country. If you're the Thunder, you're not going to get you're not going to become that attractive of a destination regardless of what you were doing. They weren't that way when, you know, Dur- Durant and Westbrook and Harden was going, people aren't still saying in free agency necessarily, I'm going to go there. It's more of you need to maybe. So that's what I'm saying is maybe that's why you have to keep throwing stuff at the wall. Cause it's like, that's your best way of just doing it. And then you have the assets to trade for players when they're available. And then once they're in your city, it's a lot easier to just convince them to stay hopefully for the future. But goal the market size also 100 matters i guess in terms of how you're going to approach it all right i think that's i think that's good the last thing i'll say to just so we where we kind of settled at least for in our i what you helped me see is actually the bear situation being even more similar than i actually thought it was with the with the bulls because i kind of was saying it was seemed like more of a contrasting approach but i'm like eh they could just be in the early stages of what the bulls did two years ago that's and, what it
1: kind of feels like to me.
0: Yeah, and and I and I think that's a I think that's right on the money now that I think about it. And it, but again, it will depend, like you said, on how Fields does because it could be the opposite if Fields doesn't perform in the way that they see fit over the next year or the next two years. Uh, but quick, being quick, having a sense of urgency—that's the best way to get this get this thing done. Yeah, and
1: have a sense of urgency, have a plan, and and follow the plan.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't change things up. You know, there, it's always good to be. There's a good. It's good to be flexible, but you have to be flexible within the confines of your uh, already established plan. That's why your plan needs to be a little bit. Uh, it needs to be expansive, but yeah. you don't want to be too uh, too loosey goosey because then, yeah, you're gonna throw a, you're gonna throw everything for a loop. Uh, all right, well, let's. I think that was good. I think that was interesting. Good, maybe midsummer. Uh, midsummer <laughs> NBA team building, whatever. It was a fun talk. Like I said, I always enjoy talking to you. So, Luis, thank you so much for having uh I, I would usually ask people to plug, but, like, you know, your plugs are, are similar to mine. You can do it, but Bleacher Nation.
1: <laughs> you already know. Find us at www.bleachernation.com on the internet. You can find me at BN underscore Bears. You can, you can find Eli at BN underscore Bulls. We, uh, we. You can find a good group at uh, LCM 1986 also. Eli, plug your... Uh, Twitter handle
0: oh yeah i i i I actually i've forgotten the past i think the past couple podcasts uh at schuster underscore elias you could find me there but the most importantly for for lou and i just go to bleachernation.com and just read read all the good the goodies on there i think we try to have good content it's been hard for uh for for me during this stretch to think of fun stuff to talk about it's funny somebody left a comment that to me the other day when i was writing on this, the site kind of complaining a little bit in my intro to our uh, morning or traditional morning bullets post that we do every day i was just complaining a little bit about how hard it is this time of year to to put things out that you find uh you know that you're comfortable with that that you find uh, full of substance just because one there's not a lot going on but two you want to like save the good stuff like people don't fully understand that unless you're kind of uh, yeah. working full-time <laughs> in this industry but it's like there's a right time to publish certain things and there's a right time that the traffic's going to be the best. And like, so right now there's a bunch of stuff I want to write for the preseason, but I know that it's not going to do as well as if I waited another month when training camps on the horizon, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, so I remember writing and someone left a comment. They're just like, well, just write a bunch of silly stuff blah 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 but and like they gave me some ideas which you know maybe i'll run with some of them but then someone else commented on his comments saying like yeah and then have a bunch of readers get mad at you for clickbait and i was like ah there you go yeah, that's, and there's you gotta find yeah, that balance yeah you have to find a balance because somebody was mad that they're like well you can do this this come on like it's fun and i'm like and then the other guy said kind of what i was thinking which is like well then people are gonna be mad at you for just kind of writing nonsense so uh, I mean, there's always ways around it. We try our best. I still have stuff. Co- we still have stuff coming out every day. You have training camp coming around the corner, but I still, have am still publishing stuff every day. But I promise you, even better stuff is be coming uh, as the basketball season nears. But yes, Luis, thank you again for joining me. As always, it's been a lot
1: of fun. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our next visit.